0: I remember watching The Prestige and it popped into my mind, you know, the concept of doing magic with data. And it wasn't about what we would do. It was about what people would see. You know, we needed to make people excited about it. We needed to make people think it was magic and want to see more and spark all the curiosity that magicians do.
1: I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au introducing an exclusive new webinar series on advancing AI. It's available only online. It won't be released through the podcast, but you can join live to these webinars. So join us over breakfast from February to April by signing up in the link in the show notes. We will be interviewing leaders in the data and AI space. They will guide you through the hype and maze of technology to achieve the business transformation we all want from AI. Whether you're looking to leverage AI to optimize the customer experience or to improve your business operations, this series underpins the core elements crucial to your company's AI strategy. Featuring guests from around the globe, including people from companies like NAB, Finair, Woodside, etc. check out the schedule, sign up through the link in the show notes or visit datafuturology.com for more information. I'm super excited to bring you this new series. Hope to see you there. Hi, this is Felipe. Today, I'm speaking with Silvio Giorgio. He is the general manager for data science at Australia Post. Silvio, thanks so much for making your time. How are you going today, mate? Thanks for having me. No, it's great. Um, Yeah, pretty good. Uh, Happy Friday, everybody. Right. Happy Friday. Pumped (laughs) to have you on the show. Uh, Yeah, been looking forward to our chat for quite a while. To, To kick things off, I'll ask you about you know, how, how did you end up being the general manager of data science at Australia Post? What was that journey like? Uh, what were sort of the sequence of events that, that took you to, to starting that role?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I, I was brought into Australia Post by the group CFO, who at the time was Janelle Hopkins to disrupt finance from within. I, I, had been at PwC leading the Melbourne-based practice uh, for finance transformation for about 10 years. Nice. Uh, And uh, she was keen in through our conversations to bring finance into the future. So, you know, kind of got this passion for how we could have moved finance and leverage digital and data to do that. Um, So I I joined Australia Post with that mandate um, and was the strategic architect of the strategy that we developed together for that function. And it was going very well um, and progressing pretty much ahead of schedule um, and we were moving finance. So um, there was this overarching conversation amongst leadership at Australia Post around what to do with all the disparate analytics teams that we have. Yes. And there there was this faith, um, as there is, you know, in organisations that, Uh, we had an opportunity to better use data. Weren't sure whether we were using it to the extent that we could. So I remember being asked, um, and and Janelle and I used to have uh, a lot of conversations about data and AI in particular, how AI was going to kill us all. It was all in... That's right,
1: yeah, take all our jobs. Yeah, it was going to be the end.
0: Yeah, it was really a way of exploring our minds and expanding our minds or exploring the topic and having an intellectual debate around where it would go. So uh, I think then there was an opportunity. Uh, I remember being pulled aside and kind of saying, hey, we're going to give you a couple of analytics, teams." And my immediate reaction was, oh, thank you, but I, I really don't know what to do with that. You know, <laughs> I know nothing about <laughs> analytics. I know nothing about, you know, advanced analytics. And I remember the response was, you, you'll figure it out.
1: And, and so... Um, I love it, though. I love that that you know that 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 um, they they definitely saw the potential. They had faith in you, and you were like, "I'm all right, thanks."
0: Well, well I mean, I wasn't saying no. It was just, what well, you realise you're putting someone into the gig that has no experience in this field, right? Yeah. And, and I think, I think, actually, when I reflect, my ignorance was probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't know what couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, that was, that was the
1: start of our journey. And um, uh, man, I, I completely agree. And I think, I think that one of the things that a lot of people struggle in the industry is maintaining a beginner's mindset. And especially when you're trying to educate a, um, a workforce, a company, and in your case, like a large organization. Yeah. I, I, I see that as, as um, a huge advantage. Um, so at this point, how, how long had you been at Australia Post uh, before this was um, sprung up on you? About one and a half years. And, and you know, I, I certainly developed a reputation for having
0: an opinion. Um, and I was very strong about, you know, we really need these kinds of this kind of capability into the future. But I yep. wasn't expecting to be receiving the responsibility of it.
1: Yeah, no, but man, that's that's phenomenal. And then and then, um, so obviously, and, and I'm glad that they, they they convinced you to to start. Uh, you you decided to jump jump in. How was um how was that journey?
0: I was um, if if I I'll admit, I was quite intimidated by the yeah. the beginning of the journey because I knew that I really knew nothing about this stuff. Um, and I, and you know, we, uh, the organization had had a couple of attempts of trying to galvanize everyone around it. And, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't take, um, not a reflection of the people that were trying to do it. It was just possibly bad timing. Yeah. So the question that was rattling around in my mind was well, how was I going to do this differently? And why was that going to be successful? And I remember at the time, watching um, a movie, one of um, uh, Christopher Nolan's movies, The Prestige, I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone's watched it. Great cast, good movie, have a good watch. Um, Love it. And I was, you know, I was just sitting there one one day just watching it and it it popped into my mind, you know, the concept of doing magic with data. Mm-hmm. And And it wasn't about what we would do. It was about... Um, what people would see, you know, we needed to make people excited about it. We needed to make people think it was magic and want to see more and, you know, spark all the curiosity that magicians do. So I remember the first team meeting where I asked the very first ridiculous question of my team. And I could just imagine what they were thinking because the looks on their faces said it all. Uh, you know, I asked the question, you know, why do ma- why do people want to become magicians? And (laughs) I remember looking, it was just silence and this look, these looks of, oh, where is this going? What is he on? And so, you know, but we persisted with the conversation and we landed on the fact, well, I mean, kind of said, well, you know, is it for the money? Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of landed that that wasn't it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is it? You know, and we had this conversation and it, and it landed on, well, We think, we thought, we hypothesized that magicians enjoyed doing that because they loved the look on people's faces at the reveal. And so then I started to explain to the team why I thought we could do magic with data because in a professional setting, analytics is probably one of the only fields that I've seen that look on people's faces at the reveal when a data scientist or or an analyst has presented something really awesome with data the look on people's faces in the business is usually one of oh wow that's really excellent, yeah. And I kind of likened it to um, a bit of uh, magic with data. So I said, well, we're going to do magic with data. I love it. And if if we're going to if we're going to do magic with data, then we have to blow people's socks off. And I mm. remember this conversation because I think half the team was inspired and half the team sank it sank their hearts because I'd kind I'd said wow. to them, well right, so if we're going to do magic with data, then we don't, I don't want to be working on anything that isn't going to blow my socks off. Yep. Nice. Good, good way said, to focus. Yeah. And then I said, and we're not doing dashboards anymore. No more dashboards. And so that wasn't part of the team that um, <laughs> that had their hearts sink. And the yes. rationale that I said to them was, look, um, dashboards are, you know, they're cool and everything, but they don't get the outcome. Uh, people yes. often think that the dashboard is the product. It's actually not the product, right? It's like okay. I likened it to building a dashboard. is like giving is, is like giving someone an IKEA flat pack. You still have to put it together. And yep. at the time, there was a reason why um, uh, furniture assembly was one of the top tasks on Air Taskers. Oh, yeah, were outsourcing that activity. Wow. So. I do that all the time. Yeah, it wasn't good enough. It was kind of like, yeah, I know the insights okay, but still, someone has to figure it out for themselves. So I said, well, I want you guys to figure out how to make magic, how to get the message across, how to drive action without building a dashboard. And it just, it just. I love it. I think I think it took about two weeks for the team to get over that conversation.
1: Well, what what I love about that is that you're immediately focusing people on on the, the impact of their work on, on the work on the stakeholders. So, so you, you immediately move the, the, the line of when, thing, when work is done, you move it from work is done when you finish the dashboard to work is done when people appreciate the value that you've added. And, yeah, and I think that, that's part of my ignorance
0: because I didn't know the tech, what it would take technically to deliver work. So, the only thing I could come at it from was as a receiver of the analytics, right interesting, um, yes, and so there again, my ignorance
1: was something that was helping me at the time rather than huge in, in huge way. advantage, huge yeah. advantage man and and my i love I love that that um that perspective it it just yeah, it really focuses people on on getting the outcome and getting the buy in so obviously, part of the team were thinking. Hey, we're here to do dashboards. We're not going to do dashboards anymore. Am I still relevant? Uh, the rest of the team probably thinking about the possibilities and the excitement of becoming magicians. Um, how, how did it go? Well, it
0: didn't go well for about two months. Um, yeah. You know, we were still trying to, I was still trying to figure out what we were going to actually do. Yeah. Um, so I remember having a, another team meeting and you know, I'm I'm quite into consumer technologies. I, I feel that we're more disruptive to our own personal lives as consumers than we are to our business lives as employees. Yeah. You know, think about how you know the take up of. Um, I'm fascinated by what apps do and technology does to our behavior as humans. Mm. And at the time, um, this was you know four years ago. Um, Amazon and Google were launching a lot you know we're getting good traction around their um i guess the the assistants and i was fascinated with what that was doing to us and what that meant and so i um started showing the team well i remember showing them i think it was i can't remember the name of the product but a product that could code on its own a, a robot that could do its own coding nice right? And I said, well, if this is where the future is and I'm showing you a video. And, you know, you, some of this stuff is probably scripted, but it still doesn't matter. If this is where the future is, yeah. then what are you guys going to do? Yes. And then, and then I remember, so the, uh, it was around about the time that we were doing an employee engagement and the employee engagement plummeted. The people were completely disconnected from it. And that was because about half of the team still wanted to do dashboards. Yes. So, you know, they were like, well, what's my relevance? Like you said, where am I going? Where's my future coming from? And so what we immediately started to do was find those individuals roles in BITs because that's what they were passionate about and actually they were very good at it. So we were very happy to recommend them. They ended up a lot in finance because this function was built in finance as a CFO that was sponsoring all this. Now, the other half of the team um, and we started bringing in new people. The other half, half of the team started thinking about what that actually meant. And I remember the very first idea that was pitched to me because of this. I have this concept of you know of leading from the back or leading from behind mm-hmm. to show people where you want to go, but then let them inspire you. Their ideas are so much better than what I could come up with, right? And I remember the first time a member of the team pitched me an idea, and that was the beginning. Of the story, which was the beginning of our first analytical asset, something that we'd never done at Australian Post before. Wow, where it kind of started, and it, and it and it just snowballed from there. It got to a point where I couldn't keep up with what the team was coming up with.
1: Yeah, and that's and that I
0: knew I was. I mean, it, it's scary because you don't know you don't know everything they're working on. Yeah, uh, but also it's also inspir- inspiring because they're operating off their own steam. I don't have to show exactly. them anymore. They're showing me, and they're showing the rest of Australia Post.
1: Man, but it's it's a sign of of really good leadership and the fact that early on, um, you you establish what what good looks like and that that good was creating that impact. Um, so giving people that as the as the goal to hit, then. Um, yeah, it shows that you're you're leveraging their their talents, their ideas, um, and for for the benefit of the organization. Man, that is that is awesome. And how how are you how are you picking what to work on? So tell me tell me about the the areas of focus uh, for for the team. How are you choosing that that work? Um, how how did that evolve, and, and where is it at today?
0: Yeah, so um, that that story. Um, is more of an evolution of our role at Australia Post. So if you can imagine, we had a fragmented analytics model. That means we had analytics teams supporting their individual business units, not sometimes coming together, but not coming together where it matters, which is in the data. They had their own data sets, you know, very um, working off their own data sets, right? Not a lot of data sharing. So we had to figure out I mean, overnight we had become the largest analytics team in Australia post. And that, you know, uh, concerned a few people yeah. um, and inspired others. So it was, it, was, it was a mixed reaction. So we had to be very clear about our role. And we, we said that we're going to be, uh, we're going to differentiate in two ways. We're going to be the central um, uh, analytics team function that differentiates in two areas, one in a converged data. So we will only work on things that require converged data sets. And the second thing is we will only do the stuff that's in, in the edges of the curve of advanced analytics. Right. Nice. So that's good to say, but actually how do you do that? Yeah. Um, And we started working with teams and making sure and, and making them feel comfortable. We're not trying to centralize everything. Actually we didn't believe in that. We wanted to move to a federated model. Interesting. I believe in centralization. Yeah. Uh, in an organization this big, it's just not – From, I mean, I like having small teams because I like mm-hmm. to have personal relationships with everybody in, in the sense that I know who they are and work on their development. Having really, really large teams makes it very difficult to do that. And I think that you don't need a large team. You do if you have a centralized team, but then it's really difficult to understand what they're working on. Mm-hmm. And some of the team members were seconded. So I started pulling nice. everyone back. Yeah. Because seconded resources are just doing dashboards and working with data. I was like, you, gotta, you guys have got to learn from each other. So we started pulling everyone back. Good. And, and then um, making sure the teams understood that a federated model was the way and that we were there to support them as well as the business. Right. And that they, you know, we would push work to them where the subject area was um, in their domain. Yep. But where it required converged data sets. Um, then we would work on it, right? Nice. Or if the team couldn't, didn't have the capability, then we would help them.
1: So, and in this case, converged Data Sets, do, do you mean that you're having to join Data Sets from different parts of the organization? That, and that, that was where our journey began.
0: Yeah. So yeah. so the reason we come up with that concept was the development of our first analytical asset, which was called Zoltar. And I'll talk to, the the, to, the, to why we name them the way we do. But... Um, that was the first idea that someone came to me and said, we're going to build a very, very large analytical data set mm-hmm. um, to answer some of the questions. And my, my only contribution to that was don't answer some, make sure that it's an asset that can answer all. Like the yes. questions that you don't know are going to come. So, you, so what was typically happening was we were building data sets to solve for specific use cases. Yeah. That frustrated me. I was like, no, 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 build an asset, a reusable asset that we can solve for any use case, and all we have to do is if we can't solve for it, then we need more data, we just add the data to it. And that was the invention of Zolta. And what happened with that, um, that started the beginning of our data to insight, to intervention strategy. And it all started with the data. So we started building large um, converged data sets. You know, rather than saying it's in a data lake, Mm-hmm. We can't get their heads around. It, so we just created just what we described as discrete data assets, but it was all in the lake. It was all connected to each other. Yeah. Right? And uh, what started happening was we were starting to get the um, the you know fairly simplistic analytics, you know, requests. And so immediately I realized where that was going. We were, yeah. you know, we were going down, not going up in our capability. So yeah. this this is the, the thing that started. The inspiration around how we started to convince people about the power of this stuff. So what happened was I scheduled meetings with some of my peers who were running the business Mm -hmm. and said to them, "I want you booked half an hour meetings. I want you to ask my analyst anything that you want to know about your business right now." And so there was a bit of risk to that because all order, yeah, the question. I love it. But, no risk, no reward, Max. Well, that's right, actually. And so, what ended up happening was we had three meetings where they were firing questions. Mm. The meetings were supposed to go for half an hour. You, they'd fire a question, and the analyst would just go click, 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 like really detailed questions. Like, you know, tell me the top five drivers that are the best at, you know, a first time delivery but in this facility, right? Yeah. Really, deep, they were really yeah. detailed, really detailed. And they were answering the questions within seconds. And so you could see this look and I was getting this look from people, which is the look that we were going after. Yes. And so within 15 minutes, I'd get the question, I want an analyst. And so I said, no, no, you give me an analyst because if yes. I give you one, then I'm not going to have any left to do the advanced stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, you give me an analyst, we'll train them. It is my gift to you, Right. And so within three, so, three minutes, we got 15 analysts. They flew them all over the country. We spent three uh, days training them. Genius. We set them off. And then the simple questions stopped, stopped coming in. Because we gifted them the ability to self, do it for themselves, then the more complicated stuff started coming in, right? And it was just genius. I love it. But it, I, I wish I could say it was deliberate. Like it wasn't, it, you know, it was just something that we thought, oh, actually, let's put a hurdle in there. They have to yeah. give us something if they want it, right? Yes. And it was, well, you give us an hour. And we knew then that's where we'd made a really, our first significant impact on the business. And it, and it was so powerful, actually, that we weren't called the data science for a, for a year, team for a year. We were yeah. called the Altar team for a year, which was the name of the asset.
1: Nice. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, man, this is this is amazing. So how how far into... Uh, the journey, is, wait, did this happen? Mm, I'd say about six to nine months. Nice, nice, Matt. Impressive, impressive, impressive. to have the, the data asset, the capability there, be able to train people, um, show results I'm within a meeting. To say that, you know, and it, was, it, it is very much about
0: who you've got in your team. So the person that did come to me had been with Australia Post for 17 years. Yeah. Right? And he'd come from the IT analytics team. So he knew where all the data was. And so when he said, I want to build this asset, my response was, I mean, I have no money. And he said, no, no, it's fine. We'll be able to build it, no problems. And they figured out a way. I said, well, how long will it take you to build? He said, give me two months. And so they did. They built this thing in two months. And it was just, wow, you know, um, that's exactly
1: what we're talking about. Awesome. Awesome, man. Awesome. And um, why the name of the asset?
0: Well, that comes to everyone talks about data lakes. And yeah. so what ends up happening, people go, well, what data's in there? And you go, oh, you know, and it's, you create this laundry list, right, of things. And it's not fun. Mm. Well, there's no fun. So, well, you know, we, we thought, well, if, if we're going to do this, it's pretty challenging, we needed to make it fun for ourselves. Because imagine trying to shift an organisation. It's pretty big. It requires a lot of energy. So, you know, you have to give some of that energy, give some of that energy back to your team. Mm-hmm. We injected a little bit of fun. And so I said, no, no, uh, we want names. I remember the first name that came to me with was an acronym. I was like, no, no, no one's going to remember that. We wanted we wanted everyone to know what Zoltar was. They wanted I wanted everyone to know the name Zoltar. Yes. I wanted people to be talking about it. Right, because yes. of the name, not necessarily because of the asset. So um the team came to me with Zoltar and it was from the movie Big. Now, I mean, for the young, the younger data scientists out there, a lot of people haven't seen that movie, so the so the name isn't as relevant for them, but certainly people that are in the business are a little bit older, Australia Post, so they knew they kind of the conversation would go something like Zoltar, where have I heard that from before? Is that from the movie Big? Yeah, so yeah, it's the machine. And so that started a conversation that ends in a smile. Right? And and yes. people then, then people want you know, to have some form of connection to, to that asset, right? And so that's how we became the Zoltar team for a year. And I had to correct that correct when I was actually with the data science team. was the asset. And then we started releasing other assets. Um, and we chose, you know, movie character names from other movies or or television, um, you know, popular television series that weren't um, copyrighted uh, Marvel, you know, uh, looking at you. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. So we couldn't call anything from the Marvel movies because they've copyrighted everything. But, you know, it was just our cheeky way of getting people to engage with those assets and have them remembered. And what was really fun about all that, was anything that, and all the executive reports that were referencing data collected by Zolta, it was so much fun for us. Yes. Yeah, great. Just a,
1: just a, you know, a, little, a little bit of entertainment for, for us as well. But man, in terms of you know, impact and adoption, uh, a huge impact, like a yeah. huge difference. Yeah, it was all the non-technical things.
0: Yeah. You know, I yeah. knew that the team was technically talented and we were bringing in talent all the time. But it was all the non-technical things that made the difference in terms of the adoption.
1: I love it. I love it, man. That is that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, and then, so what happened? What happened after the the first year? Yeah. So that, well,
0: we what we started seeing was a lot of users on our assets, which was great. So yeah. I needed my own in data engineering capability, which we yeah. set up. Um, outside of IT, which Mm -hmm. was a little bit controversial, but we needed it because we were running those assets. Um, At the same time, the CIO was pushing to move onto Google, um, the Google Cloud platform, which we were fully supportive of. You know, we were running off SAP, and that was great for, you know, our um, ERP and CRMs and all that kind of stuff, but from an analytics point of view, it was it was uh, a little bit slow for us. And that was just more of a function that it wasn't built for advanced analytics. Um, we started to move from the data to insight, and, you know, move the data from, uh, sorry, move the strategy from data to insight. Now, we are a little bit of a unique case. So the entire team is capacity funded. So we are given the full budget. I don't seek funding from any other business. Now, what that allows us to do is choose the work we work on. We can say no. Great. I don't say no for no's sake. So what we do is we spend every year deep diving on the strategy. We get strategy to come and present to us. Um, I get the scorecards of my peers Mm -hmm. who we feel are going to be the major movers of the strategy moving forward. And we get really, really focused about where we're going to put our time. So we say, well, if this is the strategy of the organization and success is measured like this, then we're going to A, you have to blow my socks off. B, you only have to, you only have to work on stuff that's in this realm. Yeah. What was happening was though we operated, we started operating like an internal consultancy. So anyone that wanted to do the analytics themselves or asked for anything pretty basic, we would give them access to our, day, our assets and we would train them. Off you go. You can do it for yourself. B, it was really complicated. We wanted to do that and to solve for large problem Mm -hmm. that the organization felt important so the work started coming in and we had to assess we didn't have the capability to assess whether whether it was worth doing on two fronts one we didn't know how big the size of the prize was and two we didn't know what the business was going to do with the data that we were going to give them or the insight we were going to give them which frustrates me a Mm -hmm. lot Mm. So we partnered with finance on any request that came in that they would help us quantify. And we started running a pipeline. I'm ex-consulting. So we I'm familiar with pipelines and, and sales effort and quantifying opportunities and all that kind of stuff. So that we started doing that. We did that in SharePoint. We taught the team nice. how to scope work. So something would come in, they would have to tell us what's the problem are trying to solve. What they thought the hypothesis mm. was, what, what we, we asked the team, our team, to kind of devise a solution right there and then. Yeah. And the most important question, what was the action the business would take? Um, yes. And we gave them the insight, which the business yes. never really thought about. They'd only gotten to the point of, I need this data, right? Correct. So, so we said, we're not going to give you do start the work until you can tell us what you're going to do, what the action was, right? So that was really difficult. We had to train technical people how to become consultants yep they fought it yeah (laughs) yeah i mean look and to their credit it was because that wasn't the job they signed up for correct um but but they you know we persisted and we got there i mean they are just they it's now second nature when something comes in they know what are you going to do with it what are you going to do with it because the most frustrating thing that we started seeing was we were giving people insight no one was doing anything with it correct so, what ended up happening was that last item was what are you going to do with it actually um, enabled us to create a different solution. So, we would say, well, if that's the action you're going to take, we're going to build you a solution that maximizes your ability to take that action. And that's where we moved into the yes. intervention strategy. So, we kind of said, well, we're going to give you the insight, but here's also a tool that allows you to automatically intervene without requiring a decision Yeah. at the gra- at, at grassroots Yes. And so we would provide them both with the insight and the proof of concept of what the solution would be.
1: Yes. And that got
0: people really excited because we were just, we, we were coming to them with no cost, giving them yeah. absolute insight. And actually here's a, he's a AI robot that can intervene in the network. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, we, and then we started moving towards intervention. It's like everything required well, not everything, most things I was saying, you know, all right, no dashboard, but now everything requires a bit of an intervention solution you have to figure out. um, And then that we got to our next problem, which was we didn't know enough about the business. So we started sending everybody out to work alongside people in the network. Like, I mean, they were moving parcels, which, by the way, I've got to tell you, is a tough job. It's, yeah, hard work. It's, It's hard work, right? You know, the team were, were cursing me. But but and, <laughs> and actually they were copying a little bit of heat from the, from the guys on the floor, which was really interesting. Um, But it was all in good jest. It was all, you know, because they'd never seen a, a, a team from head office, that many of them just kind of descended rather than just observe and do a tour. I don't know. We were, we were out there for weeks. Giving them really? Pain, in, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, in the operations? In operations. So we had to create the time. So when someone starts... We kind of said, right, for a week or two weeks, we're not going to see you. You're now booked into here, 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 here. And we do this periodically. Love it. Um, and what Australia Post does it generally for all head office staff around Christmas. Yeah. It really gets us closer to the action. We were moving parcels, processing them in our facilities. We were riding alongside and helping the van, uh, the delivery drivers in the vans deliver them, really understanding the problems and some of the challenges that they were experiencing, listening to them. We were in the post offices serving customers. It was oh, man. We, weren't, we weren't any good at it, yet, but <laughs> learning, we were learning quite a lot. And, yes. and it also, you know, it, then what was happening was we could see things, we could see the network in the data. Mm. And, mm. Yes. And so it was really apparent. So when we started, when the business was coming to us, we were able to communicate in a way that we understood because we'd been out there doing it ourselves. Yes. But it was really, you know, that was, it was every, every moment of progress we made, we hit a little hurdle. I was like, okay, well, let's just go do this. And we had to create the time. And that was the big thing, was creating yes. the time. Because there's so much work coming in. I had to be disciplined around how to, what to say no to, and how to say no politely, mm-hmm. and also um, making sure that the team had enough time for the discovery. And that included learning more about the business, but also playing, just playing with the data. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But the fact that you guys were, you know, focusing on on the decisions being made, on the outcomes, how it's going to impact workflow, and that you were so aligned to strategy as well, and and then getting right into uh, right in the heart of the operations. Man, like it's it's an amazing, an amazing um, um, like recipe that you that you developed uh to to how to make a, a fantastic data science team, and so what? Tell me, tell me a bit about the, the team. What does what does the the team look like? How how did the scaling up um, happen, and um, how are you dividing responsibilities, uh, etc. Yeah, it's, it's, it was pretty fluid. And, you know, we like to keep an
0: element of that going on. Um, yep. It's not a very large team. I, I have um, a small group of engineers mm-hmm. who are responsible for the creation and the maintenance and the continued development of our data assets and our AI assets, and then the data scientists to engage with the business and explore and do all that kind of stuff as well, right? And they're pretty small teams for a seven billion dollar business. We didn't scale that much, actually, um, because of the strategy, because we were empowering analytics teams or analysts to do it themselves. What we amassed is about 150 users on our analytical assets. Mm -hmm. We were very clear, this is not to be used for reporting. It's analytics only. Yeah. Right? because there are business rules. We were dealing with just the core data, right? The transactional level data. Reporting, there's another layer that sits in between the report and the data, which is the business rules. And we didn't know what they were and we weren't pretending to know. So we were very clear with everybody, you cannot use this for reporting. It's analytics, insight only. And everyone was really good about it. Yeah. Um, we kicked people off when we saw them misbehaving and, yep. and we, we retrained them and, you know, and then, um, and then and then we... Gave them access again once they, you know, and facilitated that train. So we were fairly awesome. disciplined about that kind of thing. Um, but we didn't have to scale up in terms of resources. We just nice. had to make sure that we were focused on the few things that mattered. Yes. So not having a lot of resources, not having a lot of money hmm. forces you to just focus on the things that really matter. Right. Yeah. Actually, I wouldn't change that at all. And And it also means that you can create really great harmony in your team and they are working really well together. So one of the things that used to irritate me was, um, you know, data scientists are fairly introverted people. They weren't talking to each other.
1: And I was like, how do we get
0: them, you know, just engaging a bit more? And we just introduced a couple of interesting characters Um, You know, so it was always about finding out. If we were bringing someone else new into the team, it was finding out what the team was missing. And it's very rarely, like I'll take cultural fear, I'll take um, ability to run on their own energy, to create on their own energy above technical capability any day of the week.
1: Yes. Yes. Any day of the week,
0: right? Because you can train someone in technical ability, but you can't. You can't stoke a fire in somebody to create their own energy.
1: For right. Uh, for yeah. their
0: own development, for their own creation, you can't do that. And then what ended up happening was some of those individuals had, had, were real characters and really liked to engage with other people and that spawned a lot of engagement, just general chats in, in the open and then that spawned a lot of people helping each other. So it was like one person would turn to another person and like, oh, yeah, I'll have and they'd stop immediately what they were doing and go over and help this person. A lot of two people looking at one screen. Now the signs that I knew actually the team was gelling together and that they were enjoying what they were doing. They seemed to be really focused. They knew what they had to focus on. They knew the standard. They knew never to present a dashboard to Silvio. You know, all those kinds of things. Um, And the engagement started lifting. And so it it kind of fed on itself. It was this, you know, um, virtuous circle. Of just development and growth and doing awesome things and that kind
1: of thing. Amazing! Oh man, that is that is phenomenal. And what? Um, either tell me what type of things that you're working on at the moment. Obviously, whatever you can share, or or things that are coming up uh, for you guys in the in the near to middle well, mid future. Yeah, okay. We're pretty excited about what's coming up.
0: Actually, yeah. we're focused on. Um, a few things. Right now, it's all about customer and that's, you know, what everybody should is working on, I guess, and, and what we're definitely focused on. Um, things like uh, better delivery choices. For, I mean, everyone, we're employees of Australia, but I'm also a customer who receives a lot of articles. Like, and everyone during, I mean, especially now, during lockdown, doing all online shopping and we're delivering more than ever. So having better delivery choices, better visibility of your articles as they move through the network. Because you remember like the, it, the that one article moves with maybe about 1.3, probably now a lot more, 1.5, 1.8 million other articles every day. Every day? Every day. So you talk about the scale of Australia Post. You know, you have in any given day, you have about anywhere up to 19,000 delivery drivers and posties any one of them could be delivering one of your multiple of your parcels. Wow. 1.3, 1.5 million parcels in any given day. So, you know, it, what we're doing is at scale. So we're looking at better, better delivery choices, better visibility, better communications to you about where, what's going on with your parcel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that we're working on is how to improve speed and customer experience within the network. So we're looking at, a lot of more, a lot more driven AI network interventions. So when we we've got Dexter, which is our AI bot. Now Dexter, that conjures up to thoughts typically in people's minds. You know, um, more recently the serial killing uh, character from the TV series. For me, it's more like a perfect match from the old days. Uh, the the nice. robot from a perfect match. So Dexter, our AI robot, um, actually watches data in real time and currently does machine to human contact when it sees something that looks a bit odd and gets people to intervene in the network. Mm. And that helps to improve speed and experience. So if we've seen a few parcels that are a bit moving a bit slow. It'll start to intervene. Or if it looks something that's a bit odd, the parcel hasn't moved for a while, it'll start to send notifications to intervene. Wow. And the big one that we're working on is a digital twin of the entire Australia Post network. Wow. So that is that's huge.
1: huge yeah 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 and how how are you approaching that 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 is huge
0: um we're approaching that holistically i'd say so when people think of digital twin they think more scenario-based modeling but we're thinking about it more as a grid Mm -hmm. so three layers an intervention layer a forecasting layer and a simulation layer and then interaction zones Um, an interaction with our retailers, an interaction with ourselves in the network and then an interaction with our customers and it has to fit within what our models have to fit within one of those grids Uh and every model we develop now has to be part of what we call the digital twin ecosystem. So it has to have a life that contributes to that ecosystem and then over time we will have eventually have built a digital twin of the network
1: amazing amazing and the the interventions that that you guys are, are uh, have been deploying to date what what does that look like how does that get uh like from from the machine to the human what is the the person receive and how do they interact with it
0: yeah it's actually really simple we you know there's a lot of elegance and simplicity so a lot of it is text and email right because you've got that right. many people that are working in the network Sometimes it's screens in the network, but the facilities are so big the screens have to be too, they're too big, right? Yeah for people yeah. to read them. So it's a lot of emails and texts that people are using as a current technology. Awesome. Um, and they, they know that it's from Dexter. So they know they know to look out for anything that comes from Dexter because Dexter's only emailing them if there's a problem. Yeah. So, you don't get a regular update. We, we're very clear that Dexter isn't there to do reporting or to provide a regular update because they will start to disconnect from any email that comes from Dexter. We want them to know that an email from Dexter, Dexter requires immediate action. So we only uh, do it for things like that. And, you yeah, know, there's a, there's a couple of examples where, say, guilt parcels moving through the network and it's due to be delivered today, but we don't see it get scanned onto a van by say six AM, yeah. facility manager will start to receive emails from Dexter saying these parcels were supposed to get on out into Van State. They're somewhere in your network. Go look for them. Now, if you can just imagine a facility or a delivery center. Actually, so we have about we have about five hundred facilities, few hundred delivery centers. It's got you know dotted all around the country. They're probably processing something like or delivering something between, depending on the size, 50,000 to 100,000 parcels. To telling a, they wouldn't know necessarily which parcels really need to get out today. Yeah. Right. So there is this, you know, having that assistance um, sometimes helps.
1: Man, phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, you know, like I, w- I was, I was going to ask you, um, what are you most proud of that you've, that you've done in your career? But this is just such a, such a home run. I think it's a, well, maybe, maybe I was going to say it's, it's probably a slam dunk as in like, this is the the winner. Um, but I mean, is it? It what, is what something of? though, I would say. And
0: it's, the 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 thing that makes me really proud is going back to that conversation about doing magic with data, mm. and watching my team do that, yeah. Just um, makes you really proud.
1: Oh man, hundred percent. Like I I I love the fr- the framing, the 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 direction that it gives the team, and and the fact that it's been. You know like a a beacon uh that a guiding beacon the for your entire journey the the it really shows the the results and the impact of having that mindset um and in your case from, from right from the start man it is it is phenomenal it is absolutely phenomenal and and i do i do have to ask you about the um there's always a question of where should data science sit in the organization um, it might be a tricky question, but how do you find sitting uh, within, within the finance area, um, within kind of like the remit of the CFO?
0: Um, we're, no, we're no longer in there. It's stuck okay. there. Um, yep. it, it, we're now in a function that is called transformation and enablement. Mm-hmm. We were actually plucked out and said, well, to enable transformation, we're going to need data and data science is probably at the forefront of that. Um, the, the only thing I can really say is that it really doesn't matter where it sits. Mm-hmm. As long as you've got a sponsor who believes in what it can do and an organization that is willing to collaborate, or you've got someone that can punch through that because what people tend to do with data is they have a protectionist behavior. Yes. And that's the stuff that you have to punch through because actually people say it's my data. Well, our response to that was actually it's Australia Post data.
1: This has been an absolute pleasure, man. I am, I am so impressed. I'm so, I'm so impressed uh, with everything that you've done, um, the way that you've gone about it, the, the, the clarity for your, for your team, um, the evolution and, and improving on, on every hurdle. It's like, you know, figuring out almost like a Rubik's cube figure out a part of the puzzle, get to improve, like grow, get to the next bit, figure it out, improve, Uh, man, hats, hats off. It is, it's, it's amazing.
0: I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Like, you know, it means a lot, especially considering, you know, uh, uh, when I first started, I had no idea. Oh, man,
1: (laughs) You, you, you are, you are killing it. You're killing it. Yeah, no, I think, I think you, um, um, uh, well, like I think, I think, I think humil- humility is a virtue. It's definitely one that, that you have, uh, and and your results, man. I speak for they speak for themselves. It is super impressive. Thank you, thank you so much for, for sharing uh, your journey, your insights. There's there's so much for people to learn from um, from hearing your story. So thanks, well, thank you time. very much. Really appreciate that. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Datafuturology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.